Beer with Buffy is a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its spin-off Angel. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us at patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. A couple hundred years ago, the only thing you had to worry about was a hangover. Tell me you're an investigator. More or less. Today, because of your curse thingy, you can't sleep with anyone. Not a taint. I'm your boss. Or else you might feel a moment of true happiness. You got already an addiction to the brooding part of life. Lose your soul. Except for the bulk of it, where I was nearly tortured to death. Become evil again. You're a demon hunter. Rogue demon hunter. And kill everyone. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Thanks, Cornelia. Welcome to Ale with Angel, where the furnace literally knows <laughs> that we are just about to start recording. I'm Josh. And I'm Rex. Today on Ale with Angel, we are recording Angel Season 1, Episode 15, The Prodigal. Um, I totally forgot who was doing the open. Which is why there was such a long pause after we opened the drinks. And then I'm like, oh god. Oh shit, is it me? Till you said something, I was like feeling panicked. <laughs> Do we have enough bricks to build an extra little outhouse now? <laughs> yes. From you shitting them? Yes. Was the implication there? Yes. Okay, good. We can always use more building materials made of your you pieces. Know, if you think about it, it would be very fitting to build an outhouse with shit bricks. Oh, shit. That's it- the first taste of beer I've had in two weeks. Ermagerd. Uh, it's been months. <laughs> He's still over there drinking the fucking ginger beer. Hey. Over at the kids' table. I'm down five pounds. Woo-hoo! So that's awesome. No way that anybody can make me feel bad about that. I'm about to probably have a month or two off of work, so I'm just going to be going to the gym like every day just out of boredom. That's not a bad plan. (laughs) It's really not. All right, so are we out of the woods yet with these fucking episodes? (laughs) I I have a good feeling about this one. (laughs) Maybe it's just my new lumbar support. I never thought that a, like, 8-inch diameter cushion sticking directly into my lower back would feel good, but you'd be surprised. (laughs) Um, turns out it might have been the root of all my problems for, like, the last 15 years or something. Who fucking knows? Right? Seriously. Well, Keanu Speedrex. Reeves be with you. Whoa. 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 You had a little too emo- too much emotion in the first whoa. Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> whoa! <laughs> Went a little too, uh, blossom on that one. <laughs> my bad. Oh my god, that's a deep ball. Eh, uh, you know, just digging back into my childhood. <laughs> They're all deep pulls. <laughs> so, let me give a quick shout out to all of our executive producers. Yes. Which just happens to coincide with all of the names on our Patreon supporter list. We have Janella Lindauer, Simo Pinty, Meredith McCaslin, Rose Clark, C in quotes heaps, Andy Burgess, Kfro Gnome, Father DeFinistrato, William Shaskper. That's a new one. <laughs> Welcome, William Shaskper. Kelly McAdams, Shubipathic, Jesse Rain, and Carrie Phillips. Thank you very much, everybody. Welcome to all our noobs. Seeing a lot of familiar faces out there. 
Welcome back. <laughs> you make our show possible. Now get out. No, literally. We do not have the funds to run this shit on our own anymore. Right? Oh my god, I just saw a post on Facebook today. Apparently, uh, oh, she's not one of our Patreon supporters, but... Um, oh, yes, she is. Yes, she is. Wait, now, I'm, now I've gone and confused myself. I'm all a fluster. It was Nicole no. who posted... Or it was Simo Pinty. I think Somebody so. said they love hearing us. Oh, it's two different posts. Okay. Whew. I worked it out. Anyway, so Nicole commented that she was listening to Beer with Buffy at work. By the way, we're not safe for work. Just don't know if we ever, ever mentioned that besides everywhere ever. But, um, and she hears chicken noises, followed by her name. And she's like, who knew my review haunts me in the best way possible? And I'm like, that's right in the best fucking way possible. With chicken noises. Simo Pinty is the one who said... This is literally my face and yes. it's the little girl with yeah. the big stupid grin. Yeah. yeah, that one was fun. Yeah, but yeah, Simo was the one who's all excited because every time you say my name as an executive producer, it's so cool. And then there's this picture of this little girl who, I swear to God, looks like a genetic engineer made a cross between the Grinch and Cindy Lou Who. It's like, <laughs> it's amazing. It's like the fucking Goosebumps girl, Ermacurd, but with Dr. Seuss. Anyway, Simo, I'm not sh I'm I really haven't been sure at all if I've been saying your name properly, but I'm going to do this anyway. Simo Pinty, I'm just, I'm going to say your name a bunch of times right now. Simo Pinty. Simo <laughs> Pinty. Simo Pinty. Are you, are you going to say it to the point where it starts to sound weird? You ever do that with a word? Simo, Simo, Pinty, Pinty, Simo, Simo, Pinty, Pinty. Anyway, I think I think we, we need to get on with the show, and it's time for parental synopsis. I just love that somebody's going to be listening to this at work, preferably out loud, even though we are not safe for work. No, we are not safe for work. And then all of their coworkers are going to turn and look at them and be like, are they fucking talking about you? <laughs> what do you do at night? Uh, nothing, nothing. Um, <laughs> certainly not hanging out with random podcasters across the nation. Anyway, what was the suggestion you made a few minutes ago? A parental synopsis. Oh, that's a thing that we do. Totally forgot no, about that. It's a thing that you do. Joshua, Rex is telling you to do shit again. You're going to take that shit from him? <laughs> well, um, shut up, Dad. What the hell are you doing anyway? Well, that depends. <laughs> are you a drug-running crooked cop? What? How dare you accuse me of being crooked under my own roof? <laughs> I'm not hearing a no. Look at you. Up all night again, is it? Drinking and whoring? I smell the stink of it on you. Hey, don't threaten me with a good time, you old fuck. <laughs> you're a layabout and a scoundrel. Well, you're a crooked old bastard. Well, you're going to live the rest of your life with over-aggressive tendencies and self-esteem issues. So, business as usual? Get out! <laughs> don't come back. Go watch your floofy angel show, and you better not come back and kill me. Hey, that's a good idea. Damn it! <laughs> Because uh, today's list of bad ideas on how to deal with your daddy issues brought to you by the letter P. <laughs> Patricide. Because <laughs> today, Angel's just a big old daddy killer. 
Saddle up for lots of jarring, back-and-forth, old-timey-wimey action as Angel investigates an unusually aggressive bout of Kwai demons. Angel tracks a shifty witness down to a seedy drug-running operation that's distributing a PCP-like substance to demons. And Kate's dad, Trevor, is caught up in the middle of it. Kate eases up her icy-cold breeze on Angel just long enough for him to accidentally let her dad get killed because he didn't bother to tell Kate that her dad was into some shady shit. Meanwhile, we see a narrative unfold telling us the story of Angel before Darla sired him and just after, wherein he fights a lot with his dad and then murders his whole family, including his dad. There's probably some parallels to the current happenings in there somewhere. Angel helps Kate fuck up the drug-running demons, but it's still way too soon to bother trying to smooth anything over with her. The end. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, down, vampire. As soon as the sun goes down, down, vampire. Competition is a beautiful thing. Oh, so, like you said, there's some timey-wimey bullshit going on as we open the show in Galway, Ireland, 1753. Yes, it's uh, very wibbly and slightly wobbly. Yeah. Definitely timey and very much wimey. Yes. Mm. Uh, we see a young lass. A deadly, deadly doll! <laughs> and we see Angel. They kind of pulled a fast one on us here. He's in the shadows, and he's... Not as fast as I'm going to be when I'm getting your sugary, stupid, this part of a goddamned <laughs> healthy breakfast or something. Anyway, <laughs> if you ignore the leprechaun, it goes away. Go on. <laughs> You're going to start at the moment Give I start Give me the sugary marshmallows and the See? cereal and the wheat and... <laughs> Anyway, Just stick it into my veins! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> so Angel is creepily wanting the the woman to come closer, and he's hiding in the shadows. Hello and... there, little lass. Why don't you come up a wee bit closer to my really shitty accent? <laughs> to be fair, his his accent is noticeably better. It's better. You know, that's what happens when you work with a legitimately Irish actor for a half a season. Yeah. I mean, there's some moments when it cracks. It's still not great. No, it's still not great. But it's it's tolerable, finally. You can it's, still tell that his original accent was completely based on the fucking Lucky Charms <laughs> um, mascot. I don't know that I'd go that far, but... Very close, though. We quickly find out that this is not Angelus. Like you originally think, but it they is wanted just us to think it was Angelus. Yeah, it's just Liam, and he's very hungover. They had me going for yeah. a whopping moment, but his father comes in and kicks him into the sunlight. Wait, his his first name's Liam. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Go on. Yeah, uh, so that he gets kicked into the sunlight by his father, who chastises him for his drunken scoundrelly behavior. You bloody stupid scoundrel! I'm gonna chastise you until you can't be chastised no more. Yeah, pretty much. You can't catch me. I've got too many marshmallows in my pocket. Hey. Are you just going to do that anytime I speak? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all out of other ideas. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, not 
really a, a fight between the two, more or less just a chastising and yeah. yelling at. I mean, he and, did kind of kick him, and then he socks, he slaps him really hard. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't sock him in the face, but it's that, like, just on the edge of being legal, <laughs> slaps him <laughs> in the face. Uh, then we cut to the now times, or, you know, the 2000s times. <laughs> in the, we call it the here and the... Whoa, <laughs> man, like living it. Whoa. Angel is using his daddy issues for the good fight. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, in a subway. I didn't realize it was a subway at first. I thought it was like the sewer. Yeah, me too. It definitely looked more like the sewer. Um, I think they were reusing a set. Yeah, he's fighting some sort of demon that's uh, dressed in rags. Yeah, and... it just looks like a hobo with a demon face. And ever everyone thinks it is some sort of homeless man. Uh-huh. But the the transition here was notable. They they at least try to tie in the transitions to the to the flashbacks a little bit. Yeah. Um so we go from him wiping the blood, you made me bleed my own blood kind of look on his face right. to him doing the same in the present time. They did a lot better with the flashbacks in this episode than they have previously. Yeah. There was never a moment where I'm like, what is going on? Oh, they're in a flashback. Yeah. Before, we've had that a lot of times where it's like, you don't realize they're in a flashback. Well, there was that one episode, I think it was Doyle's last episode, where it's like, wait, where the fuck are we? Because nothing looked different. Right, And there exactly. was no... They needed a dilly-loo, dilly-loo, dilly-loo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shaggy. That was the Scooby-Doo ending of Wayne's World. Yes. Moving along. <laughs> Apparently, what has happened here is the the subway got attacked by this demon person. Who... Like, you guys, we've totally been attacked. Where are we, though? The subway, Shaggy. <laughs> cool, I hear they've got killer sandwiches there. Oh, God. I feel bad for anybody who works at a subway that Scooby and Shaggy show up at. <laughs> right? They will literally be out of stock. <laughs> if I worked there, I'd be like, nope, I'm fucking done. I'm out. See ya. You know what? I just heard that the guy that played Shaggy in the Scooby-Doo live action movie apparently had to scream between scenes that they were shooting so that he could get the raspiness into his voice. Really? That seems horribly irresponsible as a professional actor. And I'm not that even... That also a... seems kind of par for the course for a professional actor. I mean, I guess, yeah. Um, like, it's not that hard. I mean, drink some milk or something, man. <laughs> Get some raspiness in there. Anyway, you were saying. Yeah, anyway, the situation seems to be that this demon that everyone thinks is some homeless person uh, attacked the subway and held it hostage. Well, we never actually hear what everybody thought it was because the cop wouldn't fucking tell Kate what everybody said that they thought it was. So what the cop said is that some homeless person attacked something, attacked people, and then something pulled the homeless person out of the subway. Out oh, of the train car. So that was Angel. Yeah, and no one know. And when she's like, "Well, what pulled him out?" and the cop is just like, oh. that's, "That's when he won't say it." Well, everybody's saying the same thing, is what he said. Yeah, and she's like, "Well, what was it?" And that's when he just won't say anything. I'm like, "Damn it, do your job, asshole!" Right? Spit like, it out. Who the fuck? When somebody asks you directly, "Who was it? What was it?" 
and you just fucking look at them? Yeah. Like, at least, at least say, I have no fucking clue. Right. Like, I don't know what it was. Like, she's not going to think you're crazy because right? that's what all these witnesses are saying. She's going to hear it from the witnesses anyway. He's fucking bad do, cop. do your bad cop. Do your stupid job. Yeah. You stupid fuck. Anyway. <laughs> There's... There. <laughs> But no, Kate... Come on down to the Plot Home Emporium, <laughs> see? Where we cast stupid fucks. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget to buy your plots on your way out of our hole. <laughs> There's your Plot Home Emporium. <laughs> you spoiled little bastards. <laughs> no, so immediately Kate's like, well, I guess I have to do everything around here. And she takes a flashlight and heads towards the back of the train, which no one else has done. For some reason, <laughs> just like no one thought, hmm, maybe we should look at the tunnel. Dragons be there. Yeah. We don't go there. She shows up at the... Dad, what's beyond <laughs> the light at the end of the subway tunnel? A train. Whores and demons. We and only go two. there on the 6th of every month. <laughs> I don't know why the 6th. Because <laughs> the 7th is the Sabbath. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> the seventh day is the day we record the podcast, Josh. Reeves be with you. Yeah. And also with you. <laughs> no, so she heads back. She gets to the back of the train just as the demon dies. And, like, it didn't even look like Angel actually killed the demon. It just fucking died on its own. And well, I pulled my fist back, and it just kind of made a little fart noise and fell over. <laughs> I don't know what happened. No, you pummeled him to death, you overly aggressive asshole. He's not an asshole. Well, eh, he can be. I have some criticism this episode. Okay. Yeah. And anyway, and it's shit that we've seen before. Boyo has a pattern. Oh yeah. So. Kate is immediately sees the demons like, well, I guess I can forget about reading him his rights. Opening sequence. <laughs> and she does a soft shoe with a hat and cane off the... Hey, man, she's full of the one-liners. Opening sequence. Okay, we're no. done. Um... <laughs> no. I'll get the newspaper. Oh. Whack. No, no, not the newspaper. <laughs> I'll be good. So, um, behind the train, still, uh, Kate is still struggling with the idea of otherworldly shite. Can't say I blame her. That's a, a rather foundation-shaking yeah. discovery. But she is noticeably pleased that it is dead and that these things can die. Yeah, she poked it with a stick and everything. Yeah. Um, Which is what you do. <laughs> you can't not. Uh, Angel tells her not to put it in a report, because why the fuck would she? And he's like, I'll take care of the body or something. Sounds like a good deal to me. You know, keep all the fucking muggles in Normie land. He does your dirty work for you. For free. Well, and I'm sold. I really like the illustration. <laughs> come on down to the bottom of the volume. <laughs> Do you want some random vampire to come by and take care of all of your random demon bodies? Well, th this isn't so much a plot hole, though, because they actually... This is the moment where it kind of explains, and Angel says it. People see what they want to see. We'll happily bury your plot in that hole that we just dug. 
people see what they want to see. And this, I think, is very much true to life yeah. as well. And as soon as they get out to where all the passengers are and everything, yeah. everyone's just like, oh, it was a, it was just some homeless guy. And no one saw anything really weird about it. Yeah, immediately after this conversation, we see a shining example of how the dumbosity of some people enables this kind of shit to just languish in obscurity forever. Yeah. Because we see this blue-collar-looking douchebag talking to the beat cop who's making a statement, hard air quotes, and uh, he's like, average height, average weight, average build, and that's the best he's got. The cop and Lockley are both like, really? That's the best you got? I think that's when Kate makes the decision. She's like, yeah, you know what? Just go ahead and circulate that description, and I'll go with Angel's plan yeah. of just fuck it because people be dumb yeah. and willfully ignorant. Exploit yeah. their willful ignorance. And honestly, for something like this, what else could you fucking do? Yeah, seriously. You can't run around saying, there's demons afoot. Yeah, that's how you lose your job. Yeah, then you'll be the crazy cop. Yep. And they'll start putting you in the tabloids. And then we get a little bit of a surprise as Kate sees her father. I think Angel spots him first, but yeah. And he's there, and she runs over and has a brief conversation with him. And he was apparently just in the neighborhood. No, And she's like, oh, you've been listening to your police scanner again. Oh, you got me. And he plays it off as, oh, I was, yeah, I was just bored. Uh-huh. It's a Kodak moment, or at least as much as it gets in their dysfunctionally, emotionally unavailable relationship. Exactly. So, um, but she thinks that it was actually really sweet because he was checking up on her. Aw. Yeah. And now it's time for her to take her frustration out on Angel. Yeah. She puts the brakes on his nonchalance very rapidly. Yeah, I felt like it was in uh, a disproportionate reaction to some small talk here, but... Well, there's reason behind it. I, her point is very obvious that no, 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 no. After everything going on, you don't get to just small talk with me like we're friends. You don't get to small talk your way back into my life, you bastard. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Angel... And the line here that leads us into that is, Angel says, you sound surprised. Regarding thinking that her dad was just checking up on her. Right. And Kate responds, no, you don't get to do that. Blah, blah, blah. Lots yeah. more shit. You're super nice for a monster. Why don't we keep this strictly business? Um, I ain't your GF. And honestly, I personally, I think that's fair. For the most part, yes. She was dealing with too many really fucked up situations. And Angel could have easily, in the very beginning, been like, hey... Let's talk about some of this fucked up shit going on. Yeah. And maybe he didn't have to divulge that he's a fucking vampire, but he should have been a little bit more forthcoming with the information. Yes, I completely agree. And that's part of where I was going to go with that. I mean, partially, I think I don't think she needed to go straight to playing the you're not my girlfriend card. When have they ever discussed dating? Nobody's he's never hit on her. If anything, she's always hitting on him. Yeah. She's the one fixated and preoccupied on dating him. He knows he can't be in love or he'll get too happy and right. kill everybody. To be fair, look at the man. We're all preoccupied with dating him. <laughs> He's a very pretty man. <laughs> so, 
But yeah, I mean, you know, when a girl chases you on the playground, it means she likes you, right? <laughs> and who chased who down with a gun in the beginning of this show? Yeah. she's She's got a massive lady crush. That's all I'm saying. So, yeah, I guess she's mad at him for lying to her, like you were saying. But I think more so she's scared of what he is. Yeah. And why not both? Why not? And she absolutely should be scared of what he yes. is. Yes. And she doesn't know the whole soul thing. She which, doesn't understand the truth of that Which yet. I still don't understand why he hasn't bothered to try explaining to her. Right. But, you know, we've still got these fucking I mean, sitcom tropes pulling this show down. I do, I do want to say this. From what it could have been. I do want to say this, though. I do kind of understand him not divulging the whole soul thing. Not necessarily because him holding back is a bad idea or a good idea. But just the simple fact that if a poisonous snake could talk and be like... Oh, yes, I'm poisonous and I'm dangerous, but I'm not going to bite you because I'm nice. <laughs> Do you trust that? Believe me, it's okay. I won't hurt you. I'm just going to sleep wrapped around your neck this evening. It's just more comfortable. I get more heat that way. You right. See. Like, if a vampire was like, no, I'm a nice vampire who has a soul. Right. And I don't eat people. You don't fucking believe that. If there's one thing I can tell you from years of playing Zombie Panic, Source, by the way, check it out. It's a free game. I'm a developer for it, officially. It's that if any zombie player ever says to you, don't shoot me, don't shoot me, I'm a friendly zombie. You fucking shoot them. Because <laughs> yeah. they will turn on you. And even if they don't, you don't want to be friends with a fucking zombie. Exactly. Fuck that. So no, I do understand his hesitation to divulge that information. Yeah. So like, it makes sense that she doesn't know how to respond to him. And I don't think she's wrong for putting the brakes on his nonchalant attitude here. No, certainly not. Regardless, she still needs more time, you know, more time to abandon us, <laughs> that is, because I know she doesn't stick around, and I still don't remember why, and it makes me sad because... And I don't want to know why yet. I know, right? But it, it's still, it's preemptively making me sad, because I just want to live the rest of my pathetic <laughs> mortal life with her. I'm fucking in love with Kate Lockley. She's a really great character. She is. I really like her as a character. Yeah. Judging by your uncomfortableness, I would say you're either about to ask me out on a date or you need a favor. Well, see, the thing about detectives is they have resumes and business licenses and last names. Pop stars and popes, those are the one-name guys. Uh, so from here, we do another flashback. Cut to the Prancing Pony or the Drunken Guar. Possibly the Rat in the Pot. We don't really know which old-timey-wimey... <laughs> Um, bar this is. I'm going to go with the rat in the pot. <laughs> That's my favorite. Excuse me, but this is in Ireland. It's a public house. The rat in the pot. There I'm sorry, go. a public what? A public house. That's where the term pub comes from. Uh, public house. The public house. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Sure. No, so this is the first time that Darla ever saw Angel. Well, drink a drink a drink a drink a drink a drink and fight. Hey, drink a drink a drink a drink a drink a drink and fight. Hey, and if I see a pretty girl, I'll drink with her tonight. Or wait, sleep with her tonight. <laughs> but like, drinking's good. Yeah, let's stick to that. So, I mean, that's a real song though. Look it up. I'm aware. So yeah, Darla sees him across the bar, fucking some fuckers up. 
I don't know that I'd go quite that far. It, it's a fight. It's it's a rousing bar fight, if you will. <laughs> Let us do a rousing... Uh, well, I was going to say Scrabble, but that's a board game. Scrapping? Uh, rabble thing. A rousing rabble rousing. Yes. <laughs> I'll punch you in the face, and then you punch me in the face. And then one of us will break a bottle. It'll be a grand old time. And we'll all river dance. <laughs> But no. I don't know why they didn't turn to British for that. Darla's asking the the tavern wench about that's what they were I assume that's what they were called back then. Somebody I thought you sure that wasn't his servant girl? No. Okay. No. Some other lady. She was serving Darla drinks or something, it seemed. Or it appeared, anyway. Suffice to say, um, Darla is smitten. Yeah, and uh, I didn't write down any of her lines here, but... I did. So, you know, speaking of women falling over themselves for Angel, <laughs> Darla's like, I, shit, I, I can't do female Irish accents. Why should it be any different? He's magnificent. I don't... And the barmaid's like, oh yeah, he's God's gift, all right. <laughs> I don't know. Now she's Southern. Fine, I'm going with it. <laughs> really? I've never known God to be so generous. Oh, I got it. There it is. She's just like the redhead from uh, Supernatural. <laughs> really? Um, oh, his lies sound pretty when sh- when the stars are out, but he forgets every promise he's made when the sun comes up again. Darla's like, oh, that wouldn't really be a problem for me, actually. <laughs> you because know, she's a vampire. Because she's a vampire. Yeah. yeah. That's where the joke was. And, uh, I mean, that was one of my quotes of the day. I I enjoyed that last line of Darla's. Yeah. Well, that wouldn't really be a problem for me. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) Bring the chocolate sauce. Oh, she's got chocolate sauce. (laughs) For days. So, cut back to the now times. Angel Investigations. uh, Where Cordy is talking about a security system that they got installed. Which really snaps Angel out of it. Yeah. She's... Very demanding of his attention suddenly regarding this code that she needs for the system. She's. It's a very subtle hint that she needs to remember his birthday. And when you say subtle, <laughs> you mean she's beating him over the head with a baseball bat. Yes. Yeah. Subtly. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough to piss him off, but enough to get his attention. Yes. I suppose there is a subtle way to beat somebody over the head with a baseball bat. <laughs> What about peanut butter and jelly, though? Huh? When it's time for peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat. Peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat. Peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat. Peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat. Peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat. Peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat. Peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat. Are you never going to stop me? <laughs> I don't know how to <laughs> respond. <laughs> I got a little lost in the spectacle. (laughs) Got lost in my cabbage patching while I was peanut butter jelly baseball batting. The fuck was that? I don't know, but we need an action figure of that moment now. (laughs) There's something to 3D print. Oh, God. It's a limited edition figurine of Bear with Buffy. Includes all of this shit on his table. 
Oh God, no. <laughs> we don't. I do not have that kind of time for three D modeling. Doubles is a Christmas ornament. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Angel's obviously, like, not really that into the idea of a security system. We know how he is with tech. <laughs> right. Uh, in walks Wesley, who has identified the demon that Angel fought. He has exercised the demon! No, no actually, no. Ace Ventura isn't funny anymore, so... No, he, he researched the demon. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the same thing, right? Oh, not even a Well, as we learned last episode, no. <laughs> no. That, is, that is not the case. It's not. Um, that um, doesn't mean beating a dead horse isn't funny, though. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, so, apparently it was a Kiwani demon, and they were, they're peaceful demons who will never hurt a fly. And more importantly, probably couldn't hurt a fly. Yeah. So In- it's particularly weird that not pretty, only... Pretty, pretty, pretty weird. Yeah. Not only did this Kiwani demon want to hurt people, but was super strong for the fight with Angel. Yes. So, very weird. And maybe, maybe somebody, I don't know who, Just but maybe. somebody should look into that. I, I would recommend some sort of vampire, probably one whom pleasures themselves occasionally in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going there. <laughs> we do not have time for masturbating vampires. That's vampire. not a new segment? No. Masturbating vampire. <laughs> anyway. So. I'm just thinking about that because we just released that episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, um, anyway... <laughs> This is all begging the question, what would make this Kwani demon do that? Something on the train or someone? No. The scary door. Cut over to Kate's office. Yeah, police station next day, or maybe the same day, because apparently the subway incident was uh, early in the morning. Oh, yeah. Apparently same day. Whatevs. Timey-wimey. Wibbly-wobbly. And he, he shows up in her doorway just screaming the word demon like a monkey throwing feces at your grandma's face. It's kind of funny, but you just can't allow that to continue. <laughs> yeah, she's like, could you please not say that word? Just say <laughs> evil thing. Right. <laughs> and he's, So he starts talking about the evil thing. And of course they get mixed up because... It's not an evil, evil thing. Yeah. It's like, no, it is that kind of evil thing, but it's not an evil, evil thing. Thanks, yeah. Joss. Yeah, and there's this great little moment where Kate's like, what, evil things can be not evil? And he, like, looks at her and he's like, uh, Fuck. yeah. He gives her the fucking duh look. Um, excuse me. Like this man. As he gestures to his everything. <laughs> this man has met. Well, Cordelia. I was going to say Valley Girls, but he literally practically lives with Cordelia. Yeah. So anyway, he's only there because he wants to look into the passenger manifest. Not that there would be one for the subway. Right. But at least all of the ones that they got statements from, the people that were on that train, and she ain't having it. No. Uh, she just wants to forget about it like Angel told her to. Yeah. She's- Evil thing dead? People fine? Move on. Move on. Fire bad tree pretty. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of obedient to a fault in this moment, but only because it's to her own benefit. Yeah. In a way. And honestly, I can't blame her for her, her view on this. Like, no. Thing dead? People safe? 
Move on. Fire bad tree pretty. Yeah. And they did work into the scene. I love that the writers are just on this shit. Um, by the way, how'd you get here during the day? Well, I came in through the sewers. Remember how it comes right into the parking garage? Oh, that's handy. Oh, yeah. I remember. Hey, all you assholes, specifically Josh and Rex, shut <laughs> up. A person needs certain designer Trying to eat my friend's brain. Hey, you're a vampire. So cut to a darkened alleyway and cutting back and forth between Wesley and Cordelia and Angel on his phone in the car. Yeah, and he's they're using the phones properly. For a change. I really fucking appreciate when shows, especially shows in this era, mm-hmm. actually use cell phones properly. For the plot, you mean? Or just technically... Like, like, not... not, Yeah, for the plot, and, like, there's no weirdness about it. It's just... It is the moment where it's used as a feature of existence in that time. Yeah. I'm happy about that. And they didn't have to sit and dwell on the bad connection like they did last episode or two episodes ago, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, Angel talks to Wesley, who is unsurprised that a woman can't cope with being confronted with the Dark Forces. As Cordelia hacksaws into a body laying in a slump in the alley. Yeah, what the fuck, Wesley? That's a bit (laughs) sexist of you, isn't it? Oh, well, I think he learned his lesson immediately as he was saying it. Right. I find specifically that women have the most trouble. Cordy (laughs) holding a hacksaw. (laughs) Found it. (laughs) (laughs) And she's not... Ah! She's just not phased at all. She's like, well, time to cut this thing apart. Goddamn dead bodies are so squirty. (laughs) Totally gonna have to shower and I... Broken nail on the goddamn dead body. Did you know it's a demon? What kind of demon is this anyway? <laughs> I'm having so much trouble coping with this dead demon, you stupid asshole. Look at how much trouble I'm having coping. Uh, Honestly, she probably would have responded like that had she heard his dumbass. Right? <laughs> I feel like she did, but she was, she did seem pretty into hacksawing that body. <laughs> right? Well, how often do you get to do that in your life? (laughs) I think she just had shit to do. She's like, come on, I have to go. (laughs) I have a party to get to. Exactly. (laughs) And obviously I will have to shower first. (laughs) So Angel is... I'm sure she has a change of clothes and some sanitizer by now. (laughs) I I think that sanitizer, not going to get the job done. (laughs) It depends on the... How heavy the flow was. <laughs> anyway, Angel is trailing the delivery guy. By the way, I'm talking about the blood of the demon. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow, that could be taken many different... So, it's demon, what? Uh, no, not demon. Delivery, delivery guy. Delivery guy. So, yeah. Angel is afraid that Kate is missing the bigger picture, and that will cut into her attention to detail. Uh, for instance, this fucking delivery guy who drives a van, and why would he be on a commuter train during his shift? Right. Which is a particularly weird thing of note. It is a little bit. And then just real quick, Angel confirms that Wesley ran some sort of test on the body and plans to meet him back at the office. Then he follows this delivery guy who doesn't pay attention very well. Yeah, like, honestly, Angel didn't keep any real distance between vehicles. And when the delivery guy gets out of his van, Angel practically pulls right up to it and honks. Seriously, <laughs> when he started following him, he was basically sitting under a streetlight in a parking lot, 
directly behind him. Yeah. And then when he follows him, he literally leaves his car in the middle of the street <laughs> and parks so that he's blocking in this guy's van. Yeah. I was like, Jesus. Like double parked. Come on, bruh. And more importantly, Angel stayed behind and the delivery guy left the scene. Right. So like like he had to maneuver his car past Angel's car and like he probably walked back to the street. He's like, wow, why is that car in the middle of the street? Man, some people in LA just park like a douche. (laughs) Douche. So the delivery guy, the delivery guy is picking up a package from Kate's dad. Uh-oh. And it's a, it's a little brown package. Yeah. I mean, he is a legit delivery guy. Right. So, uh, but it, maybe, whatever. you know, maybe it's a coincidence. But those little brown packages, boy, they look suspicious. Yeah. It looks more like a book. Right? It looks like a book to me. I don't understand how it's supposed to have drugs in it, but okay. You know, I, I'm not a drug runner. Right. So yeah, I don't know much about that either. Yeah, you hear that? You listening? I'm not a drug runner. Just throwing that out there. And uh, and this is not one of those he doth protest too much situations. This is protesting the exact right amount. Exactly. Never mind that now Rex doth protest too much. <laughs> I protest just the right amount. How do you feel about how Angel handles this? You know. I feel like there's so many potentially legitimate reasons for this to be happening that it was a poor decision. He doesn't talk yeah. to Kate first. because he, he literally goes... just knocks on the door and point blank asks Trevor, what the fuck? Yeah, giving him the two finger, pointing at his eyes, pointing back at him. I see what yeah. you're doing. I know there's something going on here. And he doesn't know shit. Right? Like, he doesn't know anything. No, not a damn thing. He knows one thing. Oh, oh, sorry. He knows two things. One, a delivery guy was on a train in the middle of a shift. Yeah. And two, picked up a package from Trevor. That's all he knows. Yeah, exactly. There could be two basic explanations right now that I can think of. Well, maybe the delivery guy's truck broke down and he was taking the train back to work to get a different truck. Sure. Or maybe he's picking up a package that Trevor is like, oh, I need this package shipped out. And maybe it's a complete coincidence that it happened to be the same dude. Exactly. And also, I feel like he's really jumping to conclusions by thinking that Trevor was at the crime scene to remove evidence. Yeah. And and I guess it is a fairly big coincidence that he was at the crime scene when he shouldn't have been. And also, so was this delivery guy who seemed kind of suspicious, I guess. But we didn't see any interaction between the two of them. Like, what evidence is he removing? We didn't see him on the train. We didn't see him interact with the delivery guy. So what does he really know? Fuck all nothing. Exactly. Uh Uh-huh. And so Kate's dad does the sensible thing and slams the fucking door in Angel's face. Yeah. And the other part of Angel's story is that he doesn't want Kate to find out because his dad's like, well, who are you protecting? He's like, I'm protecting Kate. Because I don't want her to find out that you weren't there because you care about her. It was to interfere with this crime scene. Which, you know, that's kind of fair. I do agree that like that. But that's based on the assumption that he's right about him interfering with the crime scene. And he's an ex-cop. That's a hell of an accusation. But anyway, yeah, like you said, he slams the door in his face as he should. should. Because Angel's not even a cop. He yeah. definitely doesn't have to fucking talk to him. 
More importantly, Trevor doesn't even know that Angel is a private investigator. Right, exactly. And I think one of the quintessential lines of the episode here comes from Trevor just before he closes the door. He says, do you have kids, Angel? No. Right. Then don't think you know how a father feels or why he does the things he does. Which is kind of the theme of the episode. Yeah. Really. Uh, Because that really ties into all these flashbacks to Angel's dad, who's like really hard on Angel. But you can tell it's because he cares but, you know, everybody was fucking verbally and emotionally abusive back then. It was right. just how they were. And then another flashback. Are we just going to get this every other fucking scene, dilly-loo, apparently? Dilly-loo, dilly-loo, Here, I'm putting them in. Dilly-loo, dilly-loo, <laughs> so we cut to a flashback where Angel is not understanding how and why his dad feels the way that he does. Exactly. <laughs> Weird. And uh, one thing seems very much like the other. What? Two of these things are exactly like the other. Yeah. So Angel says goodbye to Kathy, his little sister, as he argues with his father and then storms out. And I thought his dad was like kicking him out, but no. His dad's like, no, don't fucking leave. Yeah. Angel's like, I will fuck you. I'm going to go and there's nothing you can do about it. I did like the bit where the dad, he's like, but where will you stay or something along those lines? Like, you don't have any fucking money. And In a whore's vajayjay. Pretty much. He's just <laughs> going to sleep with women perpetually. I and won't be hurting for places to sleep. Yeah. You know, he's pretty enough. But <laughs> that's not a bad plan. Right? He never has to work a day in his life. And, uh, I mean, he ends up choosing to. But, you know, he gets the classic line from his dad, If you leave, don't ever come back. My mom said that to me one time. (laughs) What a fucking drama queen. Didn't work out. It didn't work out. (laughs) Joke's on her. I've lived at home way too many years of my adult life now. Right. Cut to Angel and Darla. Darla! Darla! (laughs) (laughs) Of course, Angel has a career plan lined up. Drinking blood. Yeah. A little bit of torture, and then feeling guilty about it for an eternity. Well, I don't think he necessarily had it lined up. I think it was offered up to him with uh, some caveats that he did not fully read the fine print. Yeah, he wasn't planning on it when he left the house, but that's what ended up happening. I believe the implication is either that evening or, you know, within the next week or month or so. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a vampire. A vampire. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. Welcome to vampirehood. Oh, God, do they all talk like that? No, only me. <laughs> anyway, cut back to Kate and her daddy. Trevor. Yeah. Trevor and Kate sitting in a park. No, Trevor, this is not suspicious behavior. Not at all. Like, oh. I just wanted a hot dog and to spend time with my daughter. Yes, things that I always want to do. Now, would you tell me <laughs> about your boyfriend? Oh, tell me more. Tell me more. More of that, please. Yeah, he's not He's not subtle. <laughs> not like, particularly. And I feel like there were several moments where he pushes over the edge and she just kind of willfully doesn't stop and be like, you're pumping me for information, aren't you? Right. Well, there's, there's two things that get said that make it plausible that she's not thinking that. Yes. 
Uh, one, he expresses that he doesn't like Angel. Right. He's asking her questions about him and everything. And she's like, why are you so fixated on this? And he, why did you like him? And he's like, no, I didn't like him. But he made an impression. But he made an impression. She's, and I don't think he's lying there. No. And not even just because of this situation so much as he doesn't want somebody that he likes to take care of his daughter. He wants somebody he respects for their strength to take care of his daughter. Right. And that that's definitely how this plays. Uh-huh. But also, like, there's a little bit of a tone of, like, he's such a pretty man, though. <laughs> like... What's because he says, What's wrong with him? Right? Yeah. Why the hell are you not hitting that like a home run at a Yankee stadium? Bam! But the last line that he says that makes it really plausible that he's fishing for information about her love life, yeah. the emotions in his face. It's as genuine as this old fuck gets. Yes. It, you see it in his face, the tone of voice, everything. He, he just looks at her. All the emotion in his voice and in his face says, it's just not good to be alone, Katie. Yeah. And end scene. And we get to see the look on her face. It's a good moment. Yeah. If this dumbass wasn't being super shady, it would have been a real good touching moment. I mean, I felt like it was both, though. Right? He doubled up. He did the double up. Um, but I mean, I'll I, give him that. And also, I have to forgive him for his generation because I feel like that oh, it's not good to be alone thing is a horseshit myth. You don't need sexual oh, yeah. partners to validate your existence. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> I can imagine the angle being if you're a cop and you deal with the dark side of reality day in day out. Because she's a she's murder police. You need some emotional support. You need emotional support. You need some aspect of your life that isn't the job. And also, he's sounds very much like he's talking from experience. Exactly. And to me, it speaks of sound fucking advice for this kind of work. Okay. From that point of view, I agree. That doesn't necessarily mean that she just needs to get married to jump some Joe Schmo just to be married. Yeah. But, like, she needs emotional support in her life. I was going to say, I think sake. that's one of the bigger fallacies here is she doesn't need somebody to take care of her. Right. She's a very strong, independent woman, and that's what we like about her. But no man's an island. Everybody needs somebody sometimes. And just most importantly, when you have... And not just this kind of extreme job when you have only one thing that is your life that's just unhealthy right you need to change things up a little bit that's true i don't see angel putting on tights oh now i do and it's really disturbing protecting young women such as yourself oh yeah there's been uh, four and three of them are very much alive So we come back to Angel Investigations, where Wesley is examining the body of the Kwani demon to make sure it's actually a Kwani demon. Yes. And he found that its adrenal gland was engorged and suspects that it was because of some sort of PCP-like substance that he found throughout its system. Uh, more importantly, the PCP-like substance is some sort of mystical potion-esque thing that is a drug and has Eye of Newt but, for flavor. But only for flavor. Yeah. <laughs> Just a dash of Eye of Newt. <laughs> it gives it some flavor. <laughs> Angel asks what this might do to an already battle-ready demon. 
Wesley shudders to think. Yeah, talk about foreshadowing, not foreshadowing anything. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I was expecting this to be foreshadowing, and it's not. Well, I mean, it kind of was. There's the guy at the end, but he's a complete tool. It's written like foreshadowing. It's delivered like foreshadowing. It doesn't really amount to anything. It's technically foreshadowing because we haven't met the big beefed up demon yet. We'll I, get I get there. that he's a shit character and he does not serve any purpose other than some sort of false we'll, we'll intimidation. Get we'll get there. I have points to make about that, but we'll get there when sure, we Sure, and I'm sure they're all completely legitimate, but this technically qualifies as foreshadowing, though, is my argument. That's all. Enter Cordy, who's been doing the investigation tracking thing for Angel in the Daylight Hours with an exceptionally bad wig. Yeah, it's not a good wig. Like, I don't really know shit about this sort of thing, but I can tell it's a bad wig. Yeah. And not just because, like, oh, it's obviously not her hair. It is so obviously not her hair that whether you knew what her hair looked like or not, you'd know that's not her hair. This wig is like the hair and makeup team said, shit. How did we forget to bring the wigs to the shoot? And the director said, I have one in my car from doing my drag show last night. Let me go get it. And nobody's combed it out. No time! (laughs) It's bad. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, she tracked the dude all day on video. Yeah. Which... We're getting all high tech up in here. Yeah. Uh, A, getting high tech, but B, like, maybe use a camera because... A video camera's a bit conspicuous. Right. Speaking of inconspicuous, this whole getup that she's fucking wearing, and not just the wig, the sunglasses, the bright pink coat, it's like she got lessons on being inconspicuous (laughs) directly from Buffy. To be fair, though, she's in L.A. and not Sunnydale. Yeah. Like, it did not work in Sunnydale. (laughs) But this is L.A. I suppose. (laughs) So she tailed the delivery guy filming him all day, and got footage of him picking up the little brown packages at a place called Kell's Exotic Auto. Yes. Which is, I suppose, an auto body shop. Not that it matters even in the slightest. Probably an auto body shop for exotic cars. Right. So Angel decides that's the source of the drug. It's gotta be. It must be. They will fucking make it be if they have to. (laughs) They will plant the drug. (laughs) (sighs) There's a little bit of the idea of the investigator having a theory and then looking at the evidence only in a manner that matches that theory. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, Angel's already found the information and now he's just finding the evidence to back up what he knows to be true. He never tries to disprove anything. He only tries to prove his wild cockamamie theories and it always works out. And that, to me, just speaks of they're not writing an investigation show here. Right. Like, it's written like he, more like Buffy, where it's like, shit happens and we're going to save the day. This is an adventure, character-driven story. Right. The technicalities of it, you really just need to shut your eyes and keep going. And, like, I get that. I do understand the roots of what the show is and where it's supposed to go. But, for fuck's sake, it's Angel Investigations. He works as a P.I., Maybe adjust how your show's written a little bit to cater to that. Just maybe. (laughs) Try a little bit harder not to peddle your cereal. (laughs) And maybe try and make it an investigation show. We're not going that way. 
what's that called? A procedural crime drama. I was trying to think of that term the whole time you were talking. <laughs> yeah. Didn't hear a word you said. <laughs> I figured. Anyway, we're at Kel's Exotic Auto. Yeah. Trevor informs some lawyer-looking fucker. Uh, I thought they were Wolfram and Hart. I did, too. I, I wrote it in my fucking notes and then had to come back and cross it out. I don't think they were. They weren't. So, um, unless we find that out later in another episode. But as far as we know, they are not Wolfram and Hart. And he in- informs them that Angel is onto them. And this ain't what he signed up for. Yeah, he's a dirty cop. A little bit. He no, was, kind of a lot of it. He was just trying to help move some specialty auto parts, though, not drugs. Right. So he tells them to knock their shit off, but then he takes their money anyway. Yep. And then he leaves. As soon as he leaves, some roided out Cardassian looking motherfucker comes out and barks at them to kill Angel. That's Cardassian, as in Star Trek, not Kardashian. Yeah. As in the famous people who are famous for being famous. Cardassian as a C with two S's, not a K with an S-H. Yes. Thank you very much. Garrick the Cardassian. And he is a very Cardassian looking motherfucker. Yes. Like, very. <laughs> and he's barking at him to kill Angel, and to which the lawyer twats slightly protest as to the wisdom of such a rash decision. Because he's like, kill him. They're like, oh, but we shouldn't do that. And what if Trevor doesn't like this? Yeah, and he's like, like well, a beer kill idea. him too. Do I have to fucking think of everything around here? <laughs> Somebody get me an adrenal gland. Daddy's angry again. But I just like the trope. Daddy gets angry when he hasn't had his (laughs) adrenal glands. I just like the trope of his ideas are super simple and straightforward. And he's like responding like it's some big elaborate plan. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Kill everybody. God, do I have to think of everything? Yeah. What a fucking tool. Well, and I mean, I feel like they obviously did not like working with this actor. (laughs) Or something. Because this is such a throwaway character. It really is. And they did not even bother trying to make us think otherwise. And that's how they should do that. Right. They also synth his voice and it's awful. (laughs) Yes. Yes, they did. Like the makeup is eh, okay, I guess. You never really get a good look at it. Right. But the synth voice is just god awful. It's all so bad. They're like, you know, we can't find an actor who could do a really good scary voice. So we're just going to synth his voice. That's fine. I mean, there's certain things that the human voice just can't really do. But anyway, he's like, kill Lockley and kill the angel guy and God, somebody get me an adrenal gland. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's why you don't do your own product when you're a drug lord. That shit will fuck you up. Yeah. And your point of view starts to get skewed. Not that I would know. (laughs) I don't know these things. Not a drug runner. We learned this from TV. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So speaking of angel being dead... We go to his funeral. Back in the old-timey days. Back in the old-timey time again. Yeah, Angel became a vampire in the ye old age of 1753. And yeah. now we know exactly how old he is. Yeah. 247. I took the liberty of doing the math. Yeah. You're welcome. Because <laughs> they mention him being 26. When he dies. Well, yeah. also we see it on the tombstone. Yep. 1753, age of death. So, yeah. Or year of death. Sorry. Yep. And, uh... Woot! Oh, right. Uh, So Angel's family is burying him, or uh, they're letting the help take care of it anyway. Right. While the women cry and Daddy looks a little stoic and vaguely constipated or something. Little do they know that soon it will be Angel burying them! (laughs) I mean, it's not inaccurate. No, it's not. Come on. It's kind of emotional. 
even despite the fact that we don't really know these characters, the father is very obviously fucked up by this. He's kind of fucked up over it, yeah. Because uh, he doesn't move. The, after the funeral, they cut to later where they're actually throwing the dirt on the casket and he's just standing there alone. He hasn't fucking moved from where he was standing during the funeral. Well, just gonna regret, regret this the rest of my life. Good news. It won't be very long. Yeah, don't worry about that, buddy. <laughs> it's gonna be okay. We cut to later in the night where Angel drags himself out of a grave. Yeah, he's a little dirty. For I honestly thought that Darla was gonna make out with him for a second there, and I was like, ooh, maybe let him brush his teeth first. <laughs> um, freshly dead, freshly dead. Angel says, what... Was it a dream? <laughs> Darla says, a dream for you. Soon, their nightmare. Uh, I liked where this line should have gone, and then they ruined it. Because she <laughs> says, a dream for you. Soon, their nightmare. And she just drops into this god-awful American accent. Yeah. You know, her normal accent. It should have been, a dream for you. Soon, a nightmare for them. A simple rephrasing, and it would have sounded so much better. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, she just sounded like a fucking valley girl the way she said it. And so he kills his first victim, which is dude who works at the graveyard, I guess. Uh, yeah. And uh, what do you call them? The grave shift person? I don't know. Caretaker? The Maybe? cashier? <laughs> Cashier. <laughs> well, we buried your son. That will be three fifty. <laughs> exactly. Oh, sorry, I forgot. There's a tax because they used the good shovels. <laughs> tax. Fuck you. I'm taking this body back. <laughs> taking my business down to Wall Graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's, it's... I can get it $1 cheaper there. <laughs> this guy walked up on the, the wrong couple. <laughs> Accuses them of being grave robbers. And Angel's like, ooh, looks to Darla. What should I do? What should I do? Can I, can I, can I, can I? <laughs> She's like, you know what to do. And uh, so he runs over there. And this guy doesn't even try to run. He just right. starts praying. It shows you what praying does, everybody. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers while the vampires nom, nom, eat nom. your neck juice. <laughs> your neck juice. That's canon from now on is what we'll call blood. Excellent. You look like you're full of neck juice. <laughs> oh, my. So I my only question here is what the fuck? Because he turns around to look at Darla mid-drinking the neck juice, and he doesn't have any neck juice on his face right? when he turns around to look at Darla. He's a very clean vampire. After biting the graveyard guy. Yeah, it's like he licked his teeth and his lips before he turned around or something. Yeah, he's a very clean vampire. They didn't look moist either, and I was really looking. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to know, though, that he's a cleaner eater than Edgar. <laughs> have you noticed how messy of an eater Edgar is? I've noticed that um, Mr. Alan Purr certainly likes to put his large floofy tail <laughs> in his very liquidy food and then flap it about. Like, yes, he does that. But also while he is eating, I don't know if you've noticed, but after he stops eating and sits up, he has fucking food all over his face and beardiness. <laughs> and then he has to spend a solid 15 minutes cleaning. All right. It's kind of adorable. Yeah. But also, like, 
makes a mess. Yeah, this complete cat tangent brought to you by Sir Edgar Allan Poe. And neck juice. And neck juice. <laughs> and for some reason, the letter P. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> letter P is for patricide. The patricide. <laughs> Have you tried it? Oh, it's probably not a good idea. Just saying. I don't want to share my feelings. I don't want to open up. I want to find the guy that killed Tina. And I want to look him in the eye. Then what? Then I'm going to share my feelings. Okay, yeah. So back to Angel Investigations, where Cordy and Wesley are playing with the alarm system. Yep, finally got that damn thing installed, and the password is 0522. Very secure, telling your entire viewing audience your password. Yeah, and also, apparently, Cordy's birthday is May 22nd. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, fun story. This episode aired on my grandma's birthday in in the year 2000. Cool. Yeah, February 22nd. Yeah, anyway... Angel uh, pops in. Yep, and he's going to go do a recon on the garage. Shuts down Wes pretty quick on coming for backup. And Wesley, this is one of my quotes of the day, he's like, Right you are, a deliberate, cautious approach will be the most sensible plan. Fools rush in. Cordy responds, No, he wants you to stay here. Um, this was the moment... Where I was like, finally! <laughs> because this is the first thing I wrote down that really felt like a zing line. Okay. And it was the first moment where I'm like, oh, right. I'm watching a show that's supposed to be cleverly written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she'll be damned if she's going to let him have his polite little delusion that Angel is only being tactical and that it's nothing personal. Right. Because she is still Cordelia Chase after all. Yeah. And if, and she, if she's not cracking down on your self-esteem, <laughs> she's not living. Right. She has two jobs to do. One of them involves typing and filing. And she's <laughs> all out of typing and filing. <laughs> Either that or Angel has finally stopped letting her do it. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, Kate arrives. Yeah, Kate drops in with the list of names Angel asked for. Uh, and they were doing this funny thing the whole time. Well, with Angel's entrance and Kate's entrance. It's like supposed to be, haha, the alarm's not working the way they expected it to because she was just like, oh, nobody can get in. And then bam, Angel's in. And then bam, Kate's in. And nobody knows that they're coming in. And it wasn't funny. No. But you could tell that they thought it was funny when they wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a private conversation in the office office. Uh, she delivers the list that he asked for, and he, of course, is like, well, what changed? Why did you change your mind? Mm-hmm. And what she explains is after talking to her dad and him asking her questions about uh, whether or not he was good at his job, she it made her realize that he is good at his job and that if he instinctually thinks that something more is going on here, then she should trust that. Yeah, and she already admitted earlier that she thinks he's probably a pretty decent dude. For a monster. Yeah. And she's talking really close to his face here. And damn, is she really making that all denim look work really fucking nicely? Normally, normally if you went all denim, I'd have to say something like, you never go full denim. (laughs) But in this case, I would happily go full denim all night long. (laughs) God. Giggity. 
But yeah, at the end, she wants in on the the investigation. Gotta face those demons sometime, right? And he's like, "Uh, yeah. (laughs) My pants just got really tight. And he does not want her in this investigation. Right. For reasons. Reasons. (laughs) Cut to the front of the office. Yes. It's a little bit later. Not much. Wesley protests to Angel doing this. He basically protests to him getting involved in this whole thing in the first place or at all further. Right. And, well, Angel's specifically going to go warn Trevor about the situation, about what he's tied up to. Yeah. Because Trevor obviously does not know the depth of the situation. Yeah. He He certainly doesn't know about the big, hepped up, righted out demon dude. Right. And so... But Wesley thinks that this is none of their business, and he maybe he does know more than he knows, than we think he knows. I don't know. Well, and Wesley specifically says, he was he's a dirty cop, he made his choice. Yeah. And I loved Angel's response. He says, sometimes the price we end up paying for one bad choice isn't commiserated with the offense. And boy, is that true. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes you make a bad choice. But sometimes your bad choice is informed by the situation and you don't realize to the extent of what that bad choice is. And maybe you shouldn't fucking have to pay the price for the bad choice just because it was that bad of a choice. Because he didn't know it was that bad of a choice. Okay, exactly. that makes so much more sense now. I did not fully comprehend what he meant by that at the time, but now I get that. Okay. Sometimes you make a bad choice and you leave your fucking home and then you get eaten by a vampire and... Turned into him. Right. Yeah. Or the other thing we were just talking about. Yeah. That. You know, the disproportionate outcome to an unforeseeable consequence. Also why uh, we should not sentence children to adult sentences for crimes they commit when they're teenagers. Which is a thing we used to do, but apparently not all that much anymore. So anyway, Cordelia comes over and she hands Angel his car keys. I don't know why he didn't have his own car keys, but she's all, go get him, tiger. Have a little faith. (laughs) And then uh, finally, successfully arms the alarm right after Angel leaves. And immediately, a fucking uh, Kwani demon (laughs) busts through the door looking for some Kool-Aid. Oh, could we just... I want to call attention to this ridiculously unhelpful alarm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it certainly did enough calling of attention to itself. (laughs) It did. Door ajar. Or door ajar. Front door open. Bathroom window open. As two demons come in. <laughs> you think? I mean, <laughs> for the year 2000, that was some pretty high-tech shit. Installing a fucking security system of this magnitude would have been expensive. And yeah, I bet it was. <laughs> So, yeah, demons bust in. Angel's still there, which I guess there wasn't really enough time for him to actually leave. Well, no, I think he left and he must have been like down on street level when he heard some shit happening because he had just enough time, like 30 seconds or so before they actually armed it. And it comes back up with classic fashionably late timing and that little vial of shit to distract the demons Because that's what they're after. That's what they're after. They're just drug addicts. Yep. And then he defenestrates them. (laughs) Well, he defenestrates one and then gets the other one to talk. Yeah. Uh, So he defenestrates one so that it can go murder some innocent pedestrians unchecked in the city. Yeah. Or just be found by law enforcement or some other poor schmuck on the side of the road. 
I suspect, though, that they're at least on, like, the second floor, and maybe it died flying out the window. Right? You know, if it died from the light tap that Angel gave it in the subway, then I suppose throwing it out the window would probably kill it, too. Even though they're on this weird version of PCP. Right. Whatever. And then he starts asking the other one questions, like, who do you work for? Or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Start talking, because I know you can. And we don't see what it actually says or anything like that, but immediately cut to him calling Kate, warning her to warn her father. Yeah. Really? You didn't, like, look up her father's phone number in any way, shape, or form during this investigation? Maybe? (laughs) Like, look in a phone book, for fuck's sake? Why would he bother? That's just weird. (laughs) Cut to Kate's dad's apartment, where the two suit guys show up. And they insist they must come inside because it concerns his daughter. Uh, these guys are already terrible hitmen. Right. But we digress. Uh, flashback to murder. To the old timey time of murder. Yes. Welcome to the to the murder. <laughs> uh, Angel's dad is nailing up a window or nailing boards to a window, I should say. He's not just nailing a window. No, right. That yeah. wouldn't work. That wouldn't <laughs> help anything. Wouldn't help anything at all. Angel's in the house. How did he get in the house? Sneaking up on daddy. It's like, daddy, I'm here to get you, daddy. Oh, God. (laughs) No, uh, he divulges that apparently he has been killing townspeople left and right. Left and right. Up and down. Sideways. Pitch y'all roll. (laughs) And, you know, his dad asks a very... Very important question. How the fuck did you get in the house? (laughs) Well, you see, I was very clever, if I dare say so myself. I ate my sister. (laughs) Oh, delightful. I thought the timing on this was really good, though, because immediately when I saw Angel there, I'm like, how'd he get in the house? And the dad's like, how'd you get in the house? I'm like, thank you. (laughs) There it is. See, they knew that was how it was going to go down. Yeah. They read your mind. So, yeah, his little sister invited him in, thinking that, oh, he'd come back and he was an angel. You know, it really fucking breaks my heart because I was so sad for his little sister when he left. And she's the first fucking one he kills. Yeah. And, I mean, we got to bear in mind this is Angelus, not Angel. Right. And, you know. Nor Liam. Yeah. He's three fucking people. That's a good point. Because all three of them have very different personalities. You're right. I mean, that explains why Angel beats himself up so much. Yeah. he has to live with the memory of the first person he killed was his little sister, who was the only one that he didn't really want to leave. Yeah. So Angel gives Daddy the old villain speech. Yep. And then kills him. And, yeah, he bites his daddy, and they slide downwards in an unnecessarily suggestive manner. (laughs) If you're a perv. And I am. You are. And I'm not ashamed of it. Take it to the dirty place. Okay, maybe a little, but only enough to get off on it. <laughs> I fucking knew that's where you were going. With that. <laughs> so, there's still a place in this world for traditional research. Even a solitary soldier such as myself recognizes that a free exchange of intelligence benefits the common struggle. Also, I brought in your mail and newspaper. 
<laughs> we cut back to Trevor's apartment. The two suit dudes are asking if Kate knows anything about the situation. Trevor's like, no, I've kept her out of this for her own good. She, you know, she doesn't need to know any of this. She doesn't need to be a dirty cop. She ain't know nothing, bruh. But he's obviously planning on shooting them. Yeah, he knows something's up. He ain't yeah. dumb. And uh, But he's playing nicey-nice for a minute. He's offering them some booze and... And like any good dirty cop, he has hidden guns strategically throughout his apartment. Yes. Which, sometimes, not a bad idea. No, not a bad idea at all. Sometimes if you're the paranoid gun nut, somebody that we may or may not have known, not a good idea. Right. Because you're not a stable human being. Yeah. You shouldn't own that many guns. No. Yeah. Not at all. Or your own house. (laughs) But... You think for a moment that Trevor might be saved by a knock at the door, as it's Angel, but Angel can't come in. Yeah. He immediately is like, invite me in, invite me in, invite me in. And you know what? If I opened the door to somebody going, hey, invite me in, invite me in, I don't think I would. Yeah, there's that pesky old vampire thing in the way, and also Angel's absolute lack of tact finesse and logic in the moment that could have easily persuaded trevor to actually invite him in right because no i absolutely would not have opened the door for that either like hey maybe be like trevor those men are here to kill you and the only person that can save you is me but i can't come in unless you invite me something something more than let me in let me in let me in yeah it's like the door is open man he doesn't know you're a vampire i know what could have worked Trevor opens the door and Angel says, could we have a talk about your personal Lord and Savior, Keanu Reeves? (laughs) And Trevor will be like, yes, come on in. (laughs) Let's watch Bill and Ted. Because who doesn't love Keanu Reeves? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Man, these guys are a real drag, let me tell you. They could use some Reevesin. Yeah. Hey, are you Reevesin? I'm Reevesin. (laughs) No, so they immediately reveal that they're vampires and they start attacking Trevor as Angel can't get in. Reeves and like Majeeves and... <sighs> oh, God. <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. But Angel's like, oh, as soon as he dies and his soul leaves his body, I'm coming in there and killing the both of you. Y'all are fucking dead. And, you know, he's not lying. He does exactly that. But he does have to fucking sit there unable to enter while he watches them murder Kate's dad. Yeah. And, uh, well, he only manages to kill one of them. He makes quick work of him, though. Right. Like, he's in the door, he stomps on a chair leg, uses it as, as a stake, and that one of them's dead, but it gives the other one a, a window to get out the... Well, yep. it gives the other one a doorway. A window of time yeah. to get out the doorway. And just as Kate shows up... I am so fucking happy that they did not do the thing where Kate comes in and sees him bit by a vampire and thinks Angel did it. I wondered if that was what was going to happen for just a moment, but she saw the other guy run out. Right. And that's probably why they did that, to avoid that shtick. Because that shit's old. It's still one more thing for her to be pissed at him about. She still kind of blames him because he didn't tell her what he knew about her dad. Yep. And again, he fucking should have. Yup. Because he's got a serious problem playing daddy to women because he thinks he knows best. And that women are these weak emotional beings. 
If there is any message that we have gotten through every season of Buffy so far that we have watched and so this season of Angel, it's that fucking communicate with people. Yeah. Holy shit. And also, this is just Angel's M.O. at this point. Yeah. And he needs to fucking quit it. He does. I wonder if he ever does. I don't recall. <laughs> Me either. Let's continue watching and find out. Let's find out. <laughs> Cut to Angel's apartment. Yeah, where, uh... Have I ever told you that I really fucking love suiting up montages? Um, like, I really fucking love them so much. It's gotta, one of my favorite dumb little tropes in movies. You got a big old T-Rex on for them? <laughs> no, I like... Does it make your pants go rawr? I like props. I, I, <laughs> I enjoy movie props. Sure. And I like... The idea of creating an object that is supposed to tell a story. There's a 12-year-old boy inside you that loves toys. That too. <laughs> but not just toys. The idea of making a movie prop is you're creating a thing that you want to tell its own story in and of itself. You want the viewer to see the item and know everything they need to know about that item at that moment. Just by looking at it. And so there's a beautiful finesse about building things or designing weapons or picking out specifically what weapons that Angel would have stored in this fucking cupboard and shit like that that tells a specific story. And that is fascinating to me as, as a way of telling a story. And the suiting up montage is just a huge hard-on extension of that. That it's like, look at these beautiful, cool-ass fucking things. And we're going to pay attention to them for just a moment. And I, I fucking love it. I'm, it's fantastic. I'm sorry. Hard on extensions. Did you mean that the way that came out? No. Just checking. So that brings <laughs> it full circle. You got a big old T-Rex on for them. <laughs> it's, it's an excellent method of storytelling. That's very interesting. It. So this conversation is very quick and concise between Wesley and Angel and we get one of my quotes of the day out oh, of it. Oh, this whole fucking conversation is also one of mine. Definitely. All right. I'll read Wesley. Excellent. What happened to calmly, cautiously, and deliberately investigating before rushing in? That was plan A. We've since moved on to plan B. And plan B is? Do I really have to explain it to you, Wesley? As he spins around and, and finesses an axe? No. <laughs> It was a brilliant moment. Good answer! <laughs> yeah. About that. <laughs> I dare say. Go swing your axe. Yeah. Swing it verily. This was the loudest laugh I got on the entire episode. Hmm. The moment when he spins around and spins the axe around, he's like, do I really have to explain it to you, yeah. Wesley? That's specifically my quote of the day. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that was for me, too. Cut over to Trevor's apartment. Where Kate is laying there in a slump next to her father's dead body. She's cried out for the moment, which yep. happens. And uh, she spies a that envelope of money across the room that he took from the shop. And it conveniently has a fucking business card for Kel's Exotic Auto yep. stashed inside of it. Well, and her, her cop instincts are good. And she sees something. And she's like, that's out of place. I'm going to look at it. Yeah. I mean, but they wouldn't have put a fucking... Business right. card inside, you know, just in case the cops want to trace this drug money. We just may want to like, make sure that they know where it came the from. The only thing I could think of is maybe 
Trevor had that for calling them, but like if he's been on the take with these guys for so long, he'd have the fucking no phone number memorized. Right. Like or Trevor had the business card out and it was on top of the envelope and so she found it with or next to maybe yeah. rather than inside of the envelope. Regardless. It's weird and it it's it's, it's a, a little too convenient. It's a tiny plot <laughs> hole, not worth an emporium. No of plot no. holes. Moving along. I'm with Wolfram and Hart. Everybody should have a lawyer like this. Mr. Winters shall never be convicted of any crime. Ever. Should you continue to harass our client, we'll be forced to bring that in the light of day. I want that stricken from the record. In place I'm told it's not all that healthy for you. So, cut to Exotic Auto, where some vampires are hanging out. And it looks like a first-person shooter for a moment. Yeah. Kate shoots them. And at first you're thinking, Kate, why are you shooting them? They're obviously vampires. But she knows this. She even says, I know this won't kill you. And keeps shooting them. But this will. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Shink. Yeah, and she stakes her first vampire. <laughs> they grow up so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know what she does, Rex? What does she do, Josh? She opens up their assholes. And she steps inside. And she closes the door behind her. Were there Snickers wrappers? Reese's Pieces. Oh, shit. She blew their <laughs> shit up into little bite-sized candies. <laughs> E.T. style, motherfucker. No, and there's, there's a little bit of a moment here where you're like, holy shit, is she about to kick some major ass? And it doesn't really go that way uh, because she is a normal human. Mm -hmm. She puts up a nice little fight and then Angel shows up. Yeah, she ain't nothing. Well, the big boss comes out first and uh, he's like, do you know who I am? <laughs> I'm the motherfucking T-Rex! <laughs> and he is, he is not the motherfucking T-Rex. No. But Angel uses this moment to quip his way in, and it's just fucking destiny. Because he's like a big, ugly, drug-running demon who thinks he's a lot scarier than he is, maybe? Yeah, she knows. Yeah. There's a little bit of a, a, a fight. Kind of call it a scuffle. Eventually, Angel ends up with his axe to the big bad demon's neck. Yeah, it's still the fight scene. Yeah. You know. And then he's like, oh, you're going to let us walk out of here. And I'll let you keep your head. Yeah. They, like, play it for a second where that seems like what's going to happen. He but starts backing up. And then he gets flanked by the other two vampires and does this badass thing where he whips the axe in the air, sticks them with his fucking spring-loaded wrist sheaths, yeah. and then catches the axe and slices off the demon's head all in one fell swoop. Yeah. And it was kind of neat. And so the big bad demon is dead. It was more neat than the entirety of that character. Yes. Yeah. Very that, much so. That one moment was the only reason he existed. Now, I want this is where I want to say of why the line previously was not foreshadowing because what they expressed was what happens when you give this drug to a big badass battle demon oh and okay nothing happens because he's fucking dead like that he just he's just dead he turns so into quick. an asshole with an engorged adrenal gland and you cut his head off and it's fine yeah Therefore, it's not foreshadowing. It's a line that doesn't equate to what the line says. That's not foreshadowing. That's anticlimacticing. 
it was anticlimactic, but he was still supposed to be a roided out version of whatever kind of demon he is. I guess. It's still technically foreshadowing. It's Ugh. bad foreshadowing. Very but, bad. But it's story-wise legit. Oh, I did mark down this this one line from that scene when the big bad demon is like, you're dead. And Angel replies with, I'm already dead. Cuts off his head. Welcome to the club. Yeah, I got that one too. <laughs> that was a good one. It's a solid Angel one-liner. Yeah. And then Angel once again tries to approach a very clearly very upset Kate and is just striking out left and right this episode. Yeah. He's like, uh, y- your father, oof, too soon, asshole. Well, before that, he says, are you okay? Never trust an evil, evil thing. <laughs> Re- good, referring to good how they back. didn't let him leave. Good callback. I yeah. like that. And so she's like, you don't know anything about my father. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say that he doesn't know anything, but, you know, pick your battles here. Yeah. And he just lets it go. Yep. And he fucks off. Cut back to old timey time. Yeah. Again. So, so Kate's line specifically was, my father was human and you don't know anything about that. Cut back to the flashback where Angel might know something about that. Oh, she was attacking his humanity. Yes. Man. Oof. Like, granted, there this scene does not involve Angel's humanity, but if you put it in perspective of Angel having the memories of this and having the memories of being human, he fucking knows. Yeah. He really fucking knows. Yeah. So, Darla drops some old-timey wisdom on Angelus, because... He thinks he won because he killed everyone. Yeah. Like, I, apparently, the whole I wrote village. the whole fucking conversation. It's very good. Like, apparently, the whole village. But now he just gets to live in eternity dealing with all the shit his father ever said to him. She says, your victory over him took but moments. Angel responds, yes. But his defeat over you will last lifetimes. What are you talking about? He can't defeat me now. Nor can he ever approve of you, in this world or any other. What we once were informs all that we have become. The same love will infect our hearts, even if they no longer beat. Simple death won't change that. Love? Is this the work of love? I I love this because it implies the reason vampires are so fucking evil is because it is... Love corrupted. Okay. We kind of always have this question of what made Angelus so fucking evil. And I think, with the way this scene is written, he's so evil because he had so much love for his family. And then when he turned evil, that love became corrupted and became this completely different beast of a thing. Yeah. This, I think, is where we get that question that we've talked about a little bit here and there. Like with uh, back when we got to meet Vampire Willow and we had that moment where she's like, oh, Vampire Willow is so evil. And there's this kind of moment where Buffy says, oh, vampires are nothing like what they were as people. And Angel in that scene was like, "Ah, but actually. Yeah. And she cut him off. And I think this is what they're talking about here, where she says how the person that they are informs what they become in a very corrupt, backwards, sick way. Thing. Yes. Yeah. I completely agree. And I'd love to discuss that more. Let's power through the rest of this scene. Yeah, yeah. So she finishes up the scene with, 
Darling boy, so young, still so very young. <laughs> yeah, geez, you should have tortured them some more, Angel. <laughs> right? Or Angelus. All right. He'll get there. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> He's still a novice. That's what he starts doing. So, great. Yeah, it's like Darla was working him over from the very beginning. Every lie, every good lie has a little bit of truth to it. Yep. So, And she, this is where we start to see her pushing him towards becoming the monster that Angelus was. Mm-hmm. And then we cut over to the cemetery in in the now time normal time again where we see angel watching kate from the shadows as she walks away from her father's grave yeah and there's a little bit of a callback as on uh, his gravestone it says beloved father and it said beloved son on angel's gravestone yeah identical type of shot yeah ger arg ger arg is this for me i must be ready I need my strength, strength. Give, 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 give me more! Nights, I shall give, walk give, in give, here. Give, 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 give. Hold on. You've got something here. So, yeah. Good times. We already started getting into it a little yeah. bit. But basically, this episode was showing us how the uh, angsty youth plays into his actions as a much more mature adult. Like you said, with the line, what we once were informs yep. all that we have become, which is an excellent deep pull callback to that scene yeah. with Angel talking to Willow. Because I used to think that it was, oh, they're occupied by a demon and who they were is no longer a thing at all. But there were many hints towards that not being the case. Right. They are very much just perverted you know, perverted in the non-sexual sense of the word. And a little bit sexual. Yeah. So if you think about it from the perspective of what is discussed in that scene, Vampire Willow was so evil because Willow is so not. And this makes some sense of why Spike was is a very evil vampire. Because as a human, he was very much not. Okay. And Liam felt very powerless, and therefore he became very powerful. Yeah. And he got fucked with a lot, so he started fucking with other people a lot. I honestly get the impression from this scene that Darla sensed that this is the kind of vampire that Angelus would become. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She definitely picked him out because she's like, oh, look who this person is. I want to create the worst fucking monster possible. Yeah. So, hey, good job, Darla. Because that's <laughs> where she got her kicks. Yeah. And she wants somebody that can, you know, hold their own with her because she seems like kind of a badass herself. Yeah. But so, yeah, calling back to that line, uh, the same love will infect our hearts, even if they no longer beat. Simple death won't change that. But the same love will infect our hearts, I think, makes so much sense. Because I'm pretty sure I've said it before on this podcast, and whether I have or not, I don't think hate is the opposite of love. I think indifference is the opposite of love. Yeah. And hate is just the other side of the same coin. Yeah, exactly. Of love. And so when he says, is this the work of love? Yes. Yeah, it absolutely is. Definitely. If you didn't love these people, if you were completely indifferent to these people... This would not have been the first place you came to once you became yep. a vampire. You'd have yep. fucked off somewhere else and done something completely different. This one scene makes the episode work. Yeah. And it all ties in together to make the theme of the episode 
what it is. Exactly. Now, one of the things I wanted to point out here, because we've had we've had a run of episodes now that honestly I think we're just kind of shit. Yeah. And I don't think this episode is really all that good. Now, this scene ties it all together in a very good way, and it makes it not necessarily good, but purposeful. Well, I think it's funny that only a couple episodes ago, when specifically the pen episode, I cut it out when I was editing because I remembered, oh, right, we see Darla later. But I was like, well, that's interesting. We get to see Pen, which is one of... Angel's fledglings, but when do we ever get to see the backstory of Angel getting sired? And lo and behold, two, three yeah. episodes later, here we go. Yeah, and I... We'd I've, already seen the scene in Buffy of him being sired, yeah. which is the actual footage they used in this episode, mm-hmm. but we didn't have the before and after, only that quick little scene. I'm grateful that the footage that they used from the previous episode in this didn't actually have Angel speaking Oh, because his, his <laughs> accent was way worse in that episode. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so what I picked up from this episode, when I reflected after watching it and thinking about what was good and what was bad, I think I finally figured out what it is about the previous handful of episodes that is the problem. And that is, this season does not have one big bad. Hmm. Yeah. There is no like general threat that they can use in like so think about this. How much better would this episode have been if this roided out asshole demon turn was actually part of the big bad situation? Mm-hmm. And it turned out that there the situation with Kate and Kate's dad was more tied into the big bad. Well, for starters, those vampire lawyers dudes drug people whatever they were should have been wolfram and hart yeah it doesn't matter if they're vampires they can have vampires in wolfram and hart yeah but there's no hint of that at all it may be okay maybe that gets brought up later in another episode but they've kind of missed out with this whole season they have no big overarching story here yeah well and i'm saying the closest we have to that is wolfram and hart And, and it, even then, it absolutely no the big bad formula that's yeah. been very well developed by Joss Whedon. I don't know that it existed before him, but it's certainly been adopted and widely used since Buffy exactly. and Angel. It works, and frankly, I don't see any reason to deviate from it. No, exactly, and because even the first season of Buffy which had a lot of bad in it. Every now and then we'd have an episode where there's just a little tidbit of the overarching big bad story and we aren't getting that. So it makes the monster of the week shit far more monotonous. Yeah. It's called a season arc. Yes. We don't really have one here. No. And that's what it's missing. You're right. Yeah, it feels aimless. Exactly. That's why we keep getting all of these one-off shit monsters of the week that would have made better, long-lasting villains, except this one. This one sucked. They keep having these moments in these previous episodes where they're calling back to Angel's humanity and Angel's past of being a vampire, and that's all well and good. But if his past and everything was more explicitly tied to the season arc Big Bad, it would be so much fucking better. Yeah. And that's what we're missing. And that's why I'm going to give this episode a... Eh. <laughs> Giving it a meh? Yeah. 
All right. I'm going to give it a... I was pretty all right with it. I think... You know what? I, I don't think it's completely devoid of an arc. Kate is also another type of season arc. Because... Yeah. Kate is a recurring character, but she's not a main cast member. And we are really gunning for them to at least be friends again. Yeah. Like, I don't... They don't even have to hook up. I'd love it if they hooked up. I'm shipping the hell out of them. But I know they don't ever. And if they do, it's brief and pointless. And not a happy moment. Because it doesn't create Angelus again. Yeah. Or at the very least... Um, not happily ever after, I think is what I was going to say. I don't fucking remember. But anyway, every time we get a little tidbit of what's going on with Kate, it gets my hopes up. And I love any episode with Kate. Yeah. And they, they killed off her dad, which that's great character development for Kate. And it's traumatizing. Yeah. As well. I mean, from a, from a viewer standpoint, like, yeah, we're not very attached to Kate's dad, but the idea of losing a dad, even if he was an asshole, he obviously still cared about her. Right. And I think we might find out later that those vampires were Wolfram and Hart. They felt I fucking hope too so. much Wolfram and Hardy yeah. to not be. Um, and they that place just has their fingers in every fucking pie. I I can definitely see what you're what you're saying there with Kate. I don't know that I necessarily see it quite in the same light as you do, but I will say the actor she's phenomenal. She is. I love her. Uh she is phenomenal. The character is solidly written. Um I actually really wish I knew uh if Jim Butcher, who writes my favorite series, who is audiobooks who that are narrated by James Marsters. Mm-hmm. I I really kind of want to find out how much his character Murphy, who my car is named after, I want to find out how much that character is based on Kate because there are such similarities really? between the characters. So Murphy in Dresden Files is this blonde cute cop who's a badass because she's a chick in a man's world yeah and she's this great demon warrior and there's this huge several book arc of her coming to terms with the fact that the world is a fucking mess and full of demons and scary shit and she slowly steps up to handle it and this is dresden files right yeah okay and like now i can't stop seeing kate and murphy as the same fucking person yeah Cool. So I'm just going to sum up. Yeah. I like Kate, and I thought we got a lot of character development for Kate and for her relationship with Angel, and I hate that they keep pulling her away from Angel. I really want them to fucking reconcile already, and I don't know if we're ever going to get that, but that alone made this episode worthwhile. I also love the flashy-backy shit. Yeah. I love getting backstory on Angel. The flashback was exceptionally well done in this episode. Yeah, because we got more information that I was just recently wondering about. Are we ever going to get that? And so we got more Darla, and I know there's more of that to come, so there's foreshadowing there. And uh, like I said, they killed a character, Kate's dad. That's huge. So I don't think this was a nothing episode. I didn't really like this episode, but I definitely liked this episode. It wasn't a nothing episode. It just could have been way more something. It could have been. Quotes of the day. Yeah, what's your quote of the day, Rex? 
I gotta go with the the one and only line that made me really laugh out loud. Mm-hmm. I have to go with. Do I really have to explain it to you, Wesley? After the the suiting up montage, and honestly, Wesley, does he really have to fucking explain it to you? Come on. Seriously though. <laughs> yeah. Like dudes gearing up for war. What's plan B? Duh. Were you there last episode? <laughs> you hit somebody hard in the face and you go from there. Yeah. That's plan B. In this case, you hit somebody hard in the neck with an axe. Yeah. Or if you're Wesley, an adza yeah. dipshit, which is not <laughs> really the same thing at all. Just because you swing it and it has a metal thing on the end doesn't make them the same thing. Yeah. Anyway. So what's your quote of the day? My quote of the day, I'm going to have to go with Darla's line in response to Angel at the end here. Angel says, what are you talking about? He can't defeat me now. And Darla responds, nor can he ever approve of you in this world or any other. What we once were informs all that we have become. The same love will infect our hearts, even if they no longer beat. Simple death won't change that. And that's my quote of the day. Yeah. Because that summed up the whole episode. It really did. It was deep or something. Yeah. Deep or something. Yeah. So this has been another episode of Ale with Angel. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Join our Facebook group where we happily interact with all our fans on a regular basis. That's right. Uh, Follow us on Twitter where we also happily interact with our fans on as much of a regular basis as we can manage to remember to check Twitter. Yeah, you heard it first here. (laughs) Review us on iTunes. It's the number one way you can help our show grow. The man's not joking. No. Uh, If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so with patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. Donate money. Get your cat named. Your choice. There's an actual perk for that. Do it. Uh, We will happily name your cat. If you would like to own a physical thing representing your love for our show, you can do that by going to store.beerwithbuffy.com. We've done it. You should too. Yeah, where we have hoodies, pullover, and zip hoodies. We have t-shirts. We have mugs and stickers. It's fantastic. No live cats. Yes. No live cats. But once Uh, we figure out how to put a logo on one, (laughs) humanely, we're all over that. (laughs) That derailed me. Uh, If you would like to send us a message, I mean, you can do so on Facebook and Twitter, but also you can email us, beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 269-743-0783. As always, a special thank you to J.J. Treadway for all our opening and closing theme music for Ale with Angel. This has been Ale with Angel. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. Have a good night. Keanu Speed. Reeves be with you. Do you have a moment to speak to our Lord and Savior, Keanu Reeves? Wow, gosh darn it, back that does! Instead of which you enslave yourself to this, this cult. You don't like the color? You have a sacred birthright. You were chosen to destroy vampires, not to wave pom-poms at people. Why can't you people just leave me alone?
Everything you've ever dreaded was under your bed, but told yourself couldn't be by the light of day. One girl in all the world. Common sense. One girl in all the world. Common sense. What have we done? Why are we watching this? 